yeah. You're listening to the Elijah Bailey Show, Oklahoma's favorite podcast. Yeah. 100% auditorial pleasure. Dig it. The Elijah Bailey Show is sponsored by Blacken Studios, Oklahoma's premier podcasting production facility. If you want to be a part of Blacken Studios, simply email them at podcast at blackenstudios.com and make sure to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat at Blacken Studios. Remember, it's Blacken. The Elijah Bailey Show is also sponsored by Bailey Martial Arts Institute. If you're looking for a martial arts school that focuses on core family values that's affordable, and has quality, competent instruction, then go down to 2201 West Edmond Road, Oklahoma, 73003, and see Mr. Elijah Bailey himself. And three, two, one. Welcome back to the Elijah Bailey Show. I'm Elijah Bailey. Today, I am not joined by my regular co-host, co-pilot, co-signer, and friend, Richard Taplin. He's actually out of town this weekend. And so I want to take this time because we missed it last week and we talked about this is something that shook us up because it's one of our favorite comedians, one of our favorite personalities. Charlie Murphy passed away uh, April 17th. So what we're going to do this episode or what I'm going to do for both Richard and I is we're going to honor Charlie Murphy's memory. So in and out of the show, I'm going to if you haven't heard all the true Hollywood stories from Charlie Murphy on the Chappelle show, we're going to play them in this episode so you can hear some of his uh, stories about his brother being famous and him as a bodyguard for Eddie Murphy. Uh, some of the people in his life that got him in trouble, who he was, how he acted and just appreciate Charlie Murphy for the person he was, because one of the things that we have gathered and we can always hear from anybody around him, Charlie Murphy was a pioneer in being himself. Eddie Murphy once said that they were driving down the highway and his mom was swerving back and forth because Charlie was so funny at a young age. Uh, One last thing before we start, may the family, the Murphy family and friends of Charlie Murphy, please find solace in the fact that he was somebody that we love no matter if no matter what, that's all I'm going to say. No matter what, Charlie Murphy was one of my favorite comedians, favorite people because he was up front. He was real. So with that being said, let us now honor the life and times of Charlie Murphy here. Episode 74 of the Elijah Bailey show. Bailey, like I said at the beginning of the show, Richard Taplin is not here, but this is the podcast that brings all the cheer to your ears. As Joshua Unruh once said, joy shots in your ear holes. 100% auditorial pleasure. Elijah Bailey is here to please you, put you on your knees, make you feel good about yourself. But thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Elijah Bailey show. Like I said, at the top of the hour, we're going to be honoring Charlie Murphy's memory, who he was, what he did. And I just want to play some of my favorite clips and actually, well, I'll save that for the very end of the show, but I want to play some of my favorite clips of Charlie Murphy and how he acted. So some of these are 10 minutes long, a little bit longer, but I want you to enjoy who Charlie Murphy is and who he was and what legacy he leaves behind. So thank you guys. Here's our first clip. Charlie Murphy, 
That's my brother. The Hollywood, the true Hollywood stories. All right. When I first, you know, started rolling with my brother, you know, um, I was doing security. I was in charge of security back then, you know, and uh, I was real proud, you know, to, to you know what my brother had accomplished, you know, because I, you know, I, I remember the old days before any of this happened. You know, I remember the, the, the puff rice with no sh the, the sugar smacks that didn't have the sugar on. It was just the smack. I remember the welfare peanut butter tan up the bread. Okay. I remember. Uh, Explain the thing about when you didn't understand the welfare peanut butter until you got older. Oh, welfare peanut butter. Well, welfare peanut butter is kind of like a Mary Jane. Imagine trying to take a Mary Jane, spread it on the bread, and make sandwich. You know, uh, well, now that when I went to the Navy, I found that if you take some 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 cooking oil and add it to the pe the welfare peanut butter, it turns into like Skippy. It's nice and creamy, and you can spread it. But I didn't know that when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? So we fucked up mad bread trying to make peanut butter sandwiches and shit. So this, to go from that, to go from the 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 apartment to the house in Long Island to you know having this brother that became a a star, you know what I'm saying, and and knowing that you know when we was growing up, they didn't have all these channels on TV. You know, you only had a couple of channels, and my brother pointed at the, at the television and said, "I'm gonna be on that one day." And when he pointed at it, you know, I think it was probably one black person on it. It was Julia or something like, you know what I'm saying? It was so I, it was unfathomable that he would be even become a star, but he did, and I was I was mad proud of my brother, man. Well, first of all, when we, when we was kids, right, I'm the older brother, so. You know, uh, I put it to you like this. I found out that I could whip a lot of motherfuckers' ass that I didn't think I could whip because they stepped in him. You know what I'm saying? It was guys who I was afraid of, but I was more, I've always been more afraid of my moms and shit. So I was like, you know, <laughs> I don't care if you are a big butchie. I got to do you because you, if I go home, my little brother is messed up. And, he, and my mother said, well, what did you do? I better be messed up worse than him. You know what I'm saying? My mother was the type, when we in Brooklyn, hang the belt out the window and say, either you whip his ass or I'm going to whip your ass. Which means the only thing that was acceptable was victory, <laughs> victory man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was the only thing acceptable. I can remember what my brother was doing uh, before I even started working for him. And he was trying, he was just doing comedy. And he would go and he would do like a, a high school or he would go do, do Hofstra University or you know, little little sets he was doing around the area. And the ability to go in front of an audience and express yourself and make them laugh, you know what I'm saying? That was like really amazing to me that he that he had that that power, you know, to stand in front of a, a group of people and say, this is what I think is funny and I'm gonna make you laugh and do it. But because he was so good at it and I was so proud of him, I was like, real, if, if you didn't laugh, I was real emotional. I, I probably would fuck you up for not laughing. That's how that's how I felt. Cause I felt that everybody should be laughing. Cause I cause I thought it was funny. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> everybody else is laughing. But there's always that one hater, that one person that's not gonna go with the flow, that's gonna try to throw an egg on the show and all that. And I would I would always react to that person. When I started working for my brother, you know, as security, that was the reason that ultimately led to me ultimately led to me not being able to perform that task for him anymore because I was the hothead security guard. To be a security guard, you have to be, uh, you have to separate yourself from the person and do a job, a professional job. You can't be reacting 
to everything you hear or insults or slurs that somebody. And if you're a celebrity, you know, and especially if you, my brother was a young male, uh, you know what I'm saying, women was on him. I mean, I remember walking through the club, man. We used to go in the club and drain it. He used to drain the club, man. He used to walk in and go like this, walk, do a lap, walk out. All the girls in the club would leave wherever he was going. You know what I'm saying? And so the, the guys are going to be saying shit that, you know, fuck that motherfucker, man. Shit. <laughs> I got money too, nigga. Nigga pull out, you know, this little knot, whatever. That happened a lot. And I used to always react to cats like that. You know, as soon as they do it, I'll be like, what? Bob! Now I'm rolling on the ground with this motherfucker. Fuck that motherfucker, man. Shit. Punk ass nigga. I have to react to that. You know? And it was to the extreme with me where they knew that this is what this is what led them to saying, you know what, Charlie, maybe you should perform a different uh job in the operation here because you know, you 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 overreacting, man. You reacting to too much shit. You know, and eventually you're going to do something bad, man. You're going to jump on, you know, a midget or a baby or something, man. You just, whoever say something, you know. I, I almost gave this old man a heart attack on the plane because he asked us, asked us, were we a basketball team? And, you know, I took that personal. You know, he was, this was an old white man, and we was in first class. And my man was, I mean, he was real old. And he looked and said, who, who are you guys? You your basketball team? And then my brain added this up. Well, he's about 30 years older than us, which means he's from the 60s where they had the dogs and the hoses and all that. And, it was, and there was no niggas on first class. So I flipped. I said, no, motherfucker, we the Black Panthers. And I'm the president, bitch. Turn your motherfucking ass around and fly and mind your motherfucking business. And then he was like this. You know, the rest of the flat, he was horrified. You know, that's how I would react. I would always go to the extreme. And the ultimate extreme was one night we was in Chicago, and uh, we were in a restaurant, and uh, there was a football player named uh, uh, Daryl Stingley. And Daryl Stingley, you know, he had got paralyzed from the neck down by another football player named Jack Tatum. He got took a hell of a hit, and he got paralyzed, you know which is a very tragic thing, you know. So Daryl Stingley was, happened to come to this restaurant we were in, and in that time he was a celebrity, and he still had, he had a whole bunch of girls with him, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, my brother was in there with the tight leather on and all that. Daryl Stingley, you know what I'm saying? He, was, he couldn't move, man, you know what I'm saying? He's over here. So just, let me give you an idea of what was going on. We at our table chilling, right? Now, the girls with Stingley... They was paying a little bit too much attention to my brother. So we didn't call it hating back then. But Stanley started hating, man. The motherfucker, he's like this. Fuck Eddie Murphy. Fuck that punk-ass nigga shit. I got money. The fuck y'all keep looking at this nigga for? Fuck him. Fuck Buckwheat. Nigga's corny anyway. I don't like Beverly Hills Cop. It's going on and on and on and on. Loud, man, like the whole restaurant could hear it. No one is saying anything to Daryl because, you know, as a, you know, as a culture, you know, as a society, it's kind of wrong to step to this guy. You know? 
But you know, like I told you, man, I make my own rules, man. Fuck that, man. If you're a talking head, motherfucker, and you acting like you forgot that that's what you are, I'm gonna hold a mirror up and let you see what's going on. I went over there, I told him, I said, look, man, you want me to flip your fucking chair over? Huh? And stomp your mouth? Because that's the only thing that's moving. You want to lose that? Huh? And he looked me in the eye and he seen that I was, I was that, that serious. I was going to flip that motherfucker's chair over and stomp his mouth, man. And he, he got horrified. I said, I'm going back over to my table. If I hear one more peep out of you, man, when I come back over here, I'm going to fuck you up, man. Now shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, you know, then his eyelids was trembling because that's the only thing that can move. And he's sitting there and shit, you know what I'm saying? So I go back to my seat and I sit down. My brother was like, yo, man, why? That was messed up, man. I said, you hear him saying anything wrong about you anymore? See, that's how messed up it is. You hear any more Eddie Murphy's a bitch, fuck Beverly Hills cop? The nigga's silent, right? That's how it's supposed to be. He's supposed to be enjoying his meal, shut the fuck up over there and eat his meal. That's what he's doing there. And the, and, and the girls that was over there, you know, they was quiet. And I heard one of them say, Daryl, you're not eating anything. He had lost his appetite. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sorry I ruined his meal, but he wasn't ruining mine. I'm not hearing it. You know, and it was all stemming from, that's my brother, man. I'm not having it. I was to the point where, man, if I went to a show and you was that hater in the audience that was like, that shit wasn't fun. Jamming you, man. Because the shit was funny. You know, if it's 10,000 people laughing, and you that one joker that want to try to squeeze a lemon. Fuck you. I don't even want you to be here. And I took it as a personal crusade until they was like, you know what? Um, you're a little overzealous with the way you're performing your job. <laughs> so that was how I ended up not doing that no more, man. All right. So that was our first story from Charlie Murphy, which is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> There's a lot of stories. But uh, what we'll do, all the links to these will be posted if you really want to see them and like i do like i do i have the blue the blu-ray box sets of the Chappelle show and there's all these behind the scene featurettes of charlie murphy but if you want to see them the links will be in the descriptions underneath youtube links or show links whatever it'll be under youtube links that's easier and you can go and watch the video to see what physical stuff he actually did but that was the first story from charlie murphy after seeing him on the Chappelle show that made me love him even more because I've seen his stand up and seen stuff and, and heard things, but this was from him. And then we have the, the Prince and the Rick James and all the other shit. So let's take a quick pause for the cause and we'll be right back with the Elijah Bailey show. This is Richard Taplin, host of Black and Studios, The Black Box. Join Elijah Bailey and myself as we explore new topics on how to self-improve ourselves and also find out about everything that's going on behind the scenes at Black and Studios. Please be sure to follow us at Black and Studios on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and also come to our website, blackandstudios.com, where you can find all the podcasts we record here. And to find this show, just type in Black and Studios, The Black Box on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. Once again, thank you for your support, and remember, it's Black and I'm Michael Eric Owen. And I'm DT. 
of the One Mic, One Voice podcast. A show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and a form of opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, One Mic, One Voice podcast. Follow us on our Twitter, the number one, Mike underscore the number one voice. Or follow us on Instagram at One Mic, One Voice. You can also listen to us on Podbeam, Stetcher, and iTunes. And if you want to email us, email us at contact at onemikeonevoice.com. And if you just want to get all of our content, go to onemikeonevoice.com or blackinstudios.com. All right, folks, I am back from commercial break, and <laughs> I'm still laughing about the... <laughs> Uh, the last video that we watched, Charlie Murphy was just off the hook. Somebody that knew who he was and was 100% true to that. So let's keep the show rolling and check into our next Charlie Murphy story. This one you might not have heard. This was a shorter one. This is Star Charlie Murphy and, and uh, Stevie Wonder. I seen Stevie Wonder back. I went to his studio. He had a studio called Wonderland, and I went there, and he was boxing. The dude was hitting Steve. Like, boom, boom, boom. Stevie was taking him, joint. Boom, boom. Firing back. And then after that, somebody was across the room, and they threw a frisbee, and Stevie did like this. Caught it. Is it bizarre for you hearing this right now? Yes. But did it happen? Yes. All right. <laughs> so as we can hear... Charlie Murphy has tons of stories about things that have happened in his life. And let's keep the deal going. I, I don't know if I can believe that Stevie Wonder. Well, no, I saw Stevie Wonder. I don't know. I think I saw Stevie Wonder drive. I, I know I saw Ray Charles drive in that one movie, but I don't know if I can believe <laughs> so much crazy shit has happened to Charlie Murphy. I do not doubt this story is true, but let's roll right into our next true Hollywood story. All right. Um, over the years, you know, um, my brother has, ha has had like some real, some real interesting characters that work for him and shit. You know, um, I mean, we had Big Larry, we had Fruity, we had Bop. One of the most outstanding uh, characters. I ain't gonna say his real name. I just say his name was. Uh, uh, I don't know. Let's say his name was Jupiter. I don't know. Let's say his name was Daryl. Right? You know. Uh, <clears throat> He he was a short cat, you know, and he knew my brother from way, way back. They grew up together, and uh, they were real tight. And uh, he used to work for my brother when it, when he was up at Saturday, Saturday Night Live. And he, Dick Ebersole used to, was, he really liked this guy because he was real smart. And he had, uh, he, he had a, a, a scholarship to Colgate University as well as Stanford, and he could have went to either school, but he decided he didn't want to go. And... He, because he was kind of like the black John Belushi, but he wasn't famous. I mean, he was off the hook, you know what I'm saying, with the drinking and the getting high and everything. And uh, what ended up happening with this guy is uh, <clears throat> he he became, you know, drinking can make you obnoxious, you know what I'm saying? So one night we was uh, in L.A. We went to this club, not, not a club, but a restaurant called La Familia. <clears throat> Dean Martin used to eat, man. I actually seen the real Dean Martin. He's sitting at his table, he's eating his spaghetti or whatever, you know. And we're over here and chilling, we eating out, whatever, waiting for our stuff. And then, um, then Daryl walks in. 
Then Daryl walks in and um, he's real drunk. And he, when he came in, you know, he looked at the whole table and, and he's, he was, you know how he get like this, like a Scarface. So start good night to the bad guy. He was just like that, man. He came in and we was all at the table and he went down the line. And there was a Artel Neville. Remember Artel Neville from E? She was there and she was talking to my brother. And he goes down the line insulting everybody at the table. You know, he tells, like it was me, my cousin Ray, Big Fruity, Larry, this guy named Dougie, my brother, and I'll tell Neville. And he goes to each guy and says what, how he would whip that person's ass and knock them out and I'll slap you. Charlie, I'll knock you out. And, and Ray, I'll whip the shit out of you. And Larry, I'll, I'll hit you with a gut punch. And blah, blah, blah. Charlie, I'll knock you the fuck out. Bitch. And you, Ray, you may be big. I'll beat the shit out of you. Faggot. Fuck all of you. Big Larry. Here's your fucking gut punch. In your fucking big stomach. Greedy motherfucker. I mean, he was, he, was, he, he was being real offensive, man, you know? And when somebody tell me they're going to knock me out, man, you know, I'm, it's real hard not to respond at this, you know, on the spot. I'm going to tell you, I'm glad my brother Vernon wasn't there because I'm telling you, he would have tore his clothes off right there, stripped him, dragged him out, you know what I'm saying? But we all had restraint. He went down the line. He said something to Artel that was, uh, I'm not even going to repeat what he said to her, you know, it was off the hook. He, 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 he went over the line with her. He said something to my brother. In fact, I know what he said. He called it because, you know, even though he's, I mean, uh, Daryl. Because <laughs> Daryl, even though he's black, he insults like a white man. And one of his favorite insults, I mean, he can say this like nobody else. He's, you fucking moron. Fuck you. Right? called my brother a moron, yo. I've never been called a moron by anyone in my life but him. You know what I'm saying? The way he would say it, it would really make you angry. You know, especially, you know, it's just, it, it, he had a way of doing it, man. That's all I could say. And he would call anybody that. He'd call my brother daddy, he called me daddy, he called his brother. That was his, 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 his uh, bread and butter, his one-two punch, moron. All right? I remember one night we was in, in his club, right, L.A. We come out the club, and this guy had set up a barbecue pit right in front of the door. We walk out the, out, out the, out the club. You, the, the barbecue smell hits you. You just come out the club dancing and all that. You, 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 you with it, because you ain't thinking about barbecue at 3 in the morning, but that shit was smelling good, right? We get in line. As we get to the front of the line, I look on the grill. There's two guys in front of us, and there's three sausages on the grill. The guy behind us was a gangbanger. He had colors on and the whole shit. He was with like four other cats. He looks on the grill, and he counts how many sausages is on there. So he knew that once we get up there, it's going to be no more. So he starts going through all the whole gangbangers. You're cool. Fuck that shit. Cook. Look here. Nook. 
It's get my squab on, cuz. I'm hungry, Nuggets. Gonna get that sausage, cuz. And I was like, yo, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not trying to get shot with no AK-47 over Frank. You know what I mean? turns around and goes, fuck you, you fucking moron. And I seen the wheels turning in this cat's head. He said, moron? What's a moron, cuz? Luckily, none of them knew what a moron was, man. Or we would, I wouldn't be telling you the story. On that, I was like, look, we got credit cards, we got money, and I'm not getting, let's go. And I had to drag him off the line. He was going to challenge some, yo, he was going to challenge some gangbangers, man, over Frank, man. It ain't worth it. He was off the hook with his shit, man. With his insults. You know? And the way he would say moron. Yeah, yeah, fucking moron. Fuck you, pal. It was like pouring acid on you, man. He had he had he had a talent with that, man. All right, so right here in the video, there's some uh words here because it's the second part of the story it says back at la familia daryl has just insulted everyone at the table so charlie murphy's going back into that original story here goes so we all get up we go to the car and he comes out he want and we're like yo hey we're we're going we're going to the, the beverly center to get him to think that you know that's where we're going so we get in the car we go straight back to the house Get to the house and on the all the way there, everybody's like talking about what just finished happening. Like, yo, man, this guy really—he's lucky that he knew us as long as he knew us because, man, you know, anybody else would have did what he just did, man. You know, they would have got—I'm telling you—they would have got done. We go in the house and uh, everybody's going in different directions. So I'm, I'm in the kitchen and it was this guy named Roughhouse. All these characters have been ahead of these funny names and shit that worked for my brother. It was this guy named Roughhouse. He looked like a bulldog. He was a big, fat motherfucker. Now he works for He's still doing security. He needs to stop. He's almost 60. He can't fight. All right? And I want everybody that didn't know that has fake security. All right? Okay? His security is he's the guy. Is, he's one, he has one foot in the wheelchair. Trust me. Anyway, uh... <laughs> anyway, uh... uh Roughhouse is sitting there, you know, and Roughhouse used to like to fuck with me too. You said we used to have this, this like uh, playing the dozens or whatever you want to call it. He try to say something funny about me, and I try to say something funny about him. And uh, we walk in the room, and Roughhouse is now teasing me because Daryl uh, told me he was gonna knock me out. Yeah, Charlie, that little motherfucker said he was gonna knock you the fuck out, Charlie. <laughs> right? And I'm like, yo, whatever, man. But I tell you what, if 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 I ain't know him, I'm telling you, man, on the, on the serious side, I was getting ready. That really was hard for me not to get up and, and drill him right there, man. But as I'm saying this, you know, I feel two hands grip on the side of my face like this. And then I hear, you fucking moron. And it was him, man. He had, he had my head like this. And he tried to slam it onto the, the it was like a, 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 a nook that I was standing next to. It was marble. He tried to slam my head on there. So when I heard his voice, my head was going, I, I, you know, I was able to power out of it because he didn't have good leverage. He was pulling from, you know, he was short. But I got real mad, man. That, you know, it, you already called me, disrespecting me in public. Now you, I don't know how you got in the house. You're in the house and you're grabbing my head and you're trying to slam it on. So I, I started beating on him at that point. So he was like in front of me, I was going to the body. Boom, 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 warming up his ribs. 
and he, he didn't want to hit, he didn't want no more, so he grabbed my hands and was trying to hold my hands, and I was struggling to try to, you know, to get loose, you know what I'm saying? I ain't know about circular motion back then, you know, I was trying to get loose, and uh, my hand, he started losing his grip, and he grabbed my sweater, and he held on to my sweater while I was trying to punch, and he stretched his sleeve. It, to, when he let go, the sleeve was touching the ground. I was standing up in the sleeve of my sweater. This is a $500 sweater, man. You know, this is back in like in 90-something. But, you know, $500 sweater to me, hey, man, you just fucked up some nice shit. That I, you know, I, mean, I don't got a lot of $500 sweaters. Shit was down to the ground. And I look at the, the sweater on the ground, and I hear Ruff House going, he shit, you you like a clown. And it just infuriated me, man. So I... I pulled up my shit, bunched it up. My as soon as my fist popped out, and as I popped my fist out, I mean uh, Daryl. <laughs> Daryl added more fuel by looking me dead in the eye and saying, "Fuck you, pal." Man, boy, whoo! I had dynamite. I put it on his chin. What? And he slid across the floor like this. And skidded to a hall. He was knocked out cold, man. His jaw was cracked. He's knocked out cold. So all my rage was in that punch. You know, he was laying on the ground. He was sprawled out. And then Randy gets up and starts, you know, trying to wake him up. And and I'm I'm like, you know, I don't want to really. You know, I'm thinking about stomping him, but I'm like, you know what? I know I know his mother, man. You know what I'm saying? So I, I didn't stomp, because he was, he, was, he was there to be stomped, I mean, with no resistance. But I said, you know, I know his mother. I, I, so I went upstairs, and I was in the room, and I was like, wow, I can't believe how, what just happened, you know? Because that was like beating up, almost like beating up your cousin or somebody that you knew for a long time, you know what I'm saying? So that was kind of fucking with me, right? And then, you know, uh, I was in a room that had a patio, and had a big door, and the door was open. And, and I'm standing there, I'm like, man, I can't believe what I just did, man. Wow, man, I lost it. And I had something outside the window go, It's not fucking over. I want more. Come out, you fucking pussy. I want more. And I realized that this nigga's outside, man. He's, he wants more. Right? And then my brother came in the room, and I looked at my brother, and we stood there for about maybe three minutes, but he kept hearing like a, like a cat whining outside the window. You punch like a bitch. I want more. I want more. I want more. Finally, yo, I was like, you know, all that shit about knowing your moms and all that, that shit was out the window, man. My brother looked at me. He's like, yo, go finish him off. I was like, no problem. I went downstairs, boy. I went to work on this midget. The nigga's not there. He got he had a Napoleon complex, man. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I'm, I'm gonna tell you like this. I don't got no problem with beating up any motherfucker. I don't care how, because you might be saying, oh, he beat up a little nigga. I beat up big niggas too. All right? You know what I'm saying? So don't get it twisted. This, you know, big niggas don't usually just wanna just do the stupid shit though. You know what I'm saying? It's always a clown. This nigga's this nigga's about this this high. He had a Napoleon complex. And, and me and him used to roll. We would go to a bar, and he would find the biggest nigga in the club and, and, and steal on him, and then me and him got to do the nigga up. You know what I'm saying? That's why I stopped going out with him, because he, he, he had a Napoleon complex. But anyway, so I go downstairs. I put a wreck on him. I mean, it was, it was, it was bad, man. 
So he's after I put this wreck on, he's, he's out, he's laid out. I'm like, I, I'm going back upstairs. You know what I'm saying? They they wake him up, and they take and the cats just taking them to take him off the property. I think at the time I was about a buck seventy, whatever. These cats was like two fifty, two seventy. They was big. And my man, you know, he was, they took him to the car. He was like, get in the car, man. And he just looked at all three of them. He said, fuck you, pal. Wop, wop, wop. And did a combo, triple, fired on three giants. Y'all, you ever used to read Beetle Bailey? Like when the Sarge used to fuck him up and he would be like, look like dirty laundry. Look at this balled up, like a bag of laundry. That's when, he, when they finished beating him, he like a bag of dirty laundry, man. Like just, you just think he's ready to go be washed. And they picked him up, they threw him in the car, he was all busted up, and they drove down the hill. Now this motherfucker had took, because when I had him, I, I'm telling you, I, <laughs> I took the boy to the brick oven, I made pizza with his face. His face was, I demolished it. And then when they got on him, they put the crust on him. They fucked him up, man. He was fucked up bad. They take him down to the gate. Threw him in the bushes, right? Told him to get the fuck out of here. You think, okay, it's all over with. They get back up to the house. <laughs> we sitting in the kitchen and then we start hearing, boom, 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 boom. And they had a, a, a monitor, right? So we look at the monitor, his face was like, like somebody had a Halloween mask on, pushing it on the, on the camera. And it was him and he was going, Come out, come out, and much more. Boom, 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 boom. You're a bunch of pussies in there, you can't punch. Boom, 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 boom. What's the matter? You're afraid to come out. Come out and play. Boom, boom. Yo, man, this went on for like 45 minutes, man. And then to take you to the Twilight Zone, a limo pulls up. Now, the night before that, uh, uh, I ran Barkley. I ran the Blade Barkley. He used to be the middleweight champion. He lost his title to James Lights Out Tony. And he took a hell of a, he took a tremendous beating. Tremendous. You know what I'm saying? And uh, his face was, whew, I mean, his face was bad, man. You know, he looked like he required surgery. You know, and uh, the weird shit about it was, you would think that somebody whose face was like that and got whipped like that would go to the hospital and stay for at least a month or whatever. But he can't, he went to a comedian's house. Maybe he was he had lost some lost his mind or whatever. He was crazy, cause you supposed to go to the hospital. You go to Eddie Murphy's house. He came straight from his ass whipping. Flew from Vegas to Eddie's house. We didn't even know him that good. We didn't know it wasn't like he was in our family, dog. You know what I'm saying? We knew him like see the club. Yo, with the blade. What's up, man? And then you get whipped out and you come come straight to us. So we was we didn't know what to say to the brother, you know what I'm saying? But he came over, his face was fucked up. All we could say is, damn, you know, you want to drink? You know, because I know in the cowboy movies, you know what I'm saying, they, they give you something to drink, pull a tooth or whatever. His face, maybe it'd be easy pain, give him some whiskey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
So, <laughs> so we offered him a drink, but I'll never forget what he said. Man, my man came, he was like, yo, the bad as my face is, man, whoever that cat at the gate is, his face made my face feel better. I feel better, man. He wanted to go to the club after that. He didn't think his face was that bad. He drove in, he seen Daryl. He was like, damn, what the fuck happened to him? Daryl was like this. Fucking bitches. Then you can fight, you fucking moron. Till 5 came and got him, man. We had 5 had to handle that. They had to, you know, because it was either call, call the cops or kill him. You know, we didn't want to go there. We know it's mama, you know what I'm saying? So they 5-0 handled They took him out of there, man. All right. So that was another true Hollywood story from Charlie Murphy. This man's life is just something that if you listen to all of the – the documentaries and the things that he's done. He even had a podcast, which I was going to save to the end of the show, but Charlie Murphy Presents is going to be our podcast of the week, so you can check out those episodes that he did make before he started touring more. But stories between him, Eddie, their friends, Dave Chappelle, Bill Murr, Mickey Free, it's just interesting to hear all the things that happened to Charlie and what he'd been through. A man that lived a long life, well, not as long as we would have liked, but for all the stuff that he did in his lifetime, he lived several lifetimes to have enough insight to give people advice and to help them. Cause I know he helped Jay Farrow and invited him into the Murphy family. And it's just interesting to hear all these stories because they made me laugh. The, the type of person that Charlie is and was, is just amazing. So with that, let's, before we take our next commercial break, let's hear from some of Charlie Murphy's friends about how they felt about him and what they have to say. So I lost a good friend of mine, Charlie Murphy. Uh, I will say uh, that as sad as I am, I am glad to have gotten a chance to know him. Um, I think he was the best storyteller I've ever heard. Yes. Uh, he was uh, uh, a great friend. I did a lot of gigs with him, but every, after every gig, we would all go to his room just to watch him tell a story. I can't pretend like I didn't know he was sick, but I, I thought that the way he handled himself and the way he laughed, uh, that he would be all right. So I, I... Charlie Murphy had such an indomitable will that you believe what he told you rather than what your eyes told you. But I am sad that I uh, he's gone, but I'm also happy that I got a chance to know him. Um, I think that he was a great comic and a man's man. And I think uh, that <laughs> when we first started on the Comedy Get Down tour, well, the bet we used to make was who would go to jail first, either Eddie Griffin <laughs> or Charlie Murphy, right. because they were both always ready to fight. But we became brothers. Uh, we became friends. Um, we did a lot of uh, dates together and did a lot of talking together. Uh, I can say that as sad as I am, I can t tell you this about Charlie Murphy. He was the best storyteller I've ever heard. He rushed home to be with his family after every gig. He did comedy his way, and he died with uh, gigs on the books. And that's all you can ever say. So, all right, I love you, Charlie. No from the GED section. Yeah, what up? This message is about my good friend Charlie Murphy. Hell of a guy, great friend, funny as fuck, great to be around. Told amazing stories was a loving spirit. Um, 
gone way too soon. But um, while he was here, he definitely entertained me as a friend and as a comedian and as an actor. It was my pleasure and treat to work with Charlie Murphy and to be in his presence. Rest in peace, my friend. Charlie, I know you watching. Big homie, Jermaine wakes up out of his nap to tell me the disturbing news. Man, I'm talking to you, man. This is amazing, and I know you watching. MTV right now, lottery ticket is on right now. Right now, I know you watching. That's why I'm talking to you, man. I want to say thank you for the talks, for the time on set, everything that you told me. Thanks for making me laugh. We got you. We got you. You a legend. You an icon. You will forever live on. Legends never die. From myself to your brother, to, to, to from Eddie to your family, the whole Murphy family, to I'm sure Chappelle is feeling it. The whole entire Chappelle cat feeling it and staff is feeling it. Man, rest easy. Rest in paradise, man. We love you. We love you. And we want to say thank you for everything that you did for the culture. You will forever live on, man. Love. Man, up and at it again, early morning. Hearing about the news about Charlie Murphy, man, it's devastated me. May he rest in peace, man. At a loss for words right now. Wow. I was trying, trying to impress the fellas. <laughs> he, he tucked in a shirt this time for us. It feels <laughs> awful. It feels awful. <laughs> hey, can I just say, uh, Charlie Murphy was a, 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 lo yes. loved him, and uh, my res respect to his family, mm -hmm. and and and. Uh, thinking of all of you and as a guy he was the sweetest guy to see and talk to and we're all going to miss him very much well, so, so it's great that it. you're talking about him i'm so glad that you mentioned that absolutely and, and it's, it's, love them yeah and i and i love the outpouring from um because nice. you all are it's like a little tight little community that you all have the absolutely. fellow comedians that's true yeah we all love each other but he he just stood out you just got so happy seeing charlie anywhere you saw him and he was just a good, yeah. good person are you enjoying yourself? I hope you're having a good fucking week. I uh, hope it's going better than my week. hope it's going better than my week. Uh, I don't know if I'll fuck it. I'll get right into it. Uh, unfortunately, a uh, great comedian, great friend, just one of the best people I ever met, uh, passed away yesterday, Charlie Murphy. And um, can't fucking believe it, man. Really cannot believe it. I had... Um, Hadn't talked to him in about a year, and I had no idea that um, that he was sick to that level. So uh, I think it's still hitting me, man. It's unbelievable. I'm so sick of fucking hilarious, great people dying. Okay, so everyone that we just heard from, D.L. Hughley, Snoop Dogg, Bow Wow, Ludacris, Bill Murr, and Adam Sandler. These were just some of Charlie's friends that are really, really hit by his passing and what happened. So what we'll do is we'll take our last pause for the cause, come back with uh, one or two more stories from Charlie and then you know, call it a day. But there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that I can say uh, to describe how distraught I am losing somebody that I really admire as a comedian. So here's our last pause for the cause. And I'll be right back with the Elijah Bailey show. Hey, this is Mike Stojic with the Make It A Double Podcast. We talk everything booze, spirits, history, mixology, and the people and stories that make it all great. You can find us on Facebooks. You can find us on the Instagrams. You can find us on the, uh, the Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher. 
Google Play, anywhere, all the podcasting platforms, we're going to do it. Thank you for downloading this episode. If you're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play Music, or whatever podcasting library you're listening to this show on, please rate and review. Those reviews and ratings help us tremendously. We thank you. folks and i'm back here with the elijah bailey show tribute to charlie murphy tribute to the life and success and person that charlie murphy was so what we'll do now there's another story that i found that i had not heard until last week and it is charlie murphy tells a uh, mike tyson story on the joe rogan podcast here we go he's back you know what I'm saying he's you've back. seen that documentary yeah, I've seen the documentary. How fucking powerful was that? With the bird. Have you never seen that Tyson documentary? Is it just called Tyson? What was it called? I think it's extremely yeah, yeah. powerful. You see a man it is cry. fucking incredible. Cry when he reflects on parts of his life. Yeah. A strong man like that. You have to realize that whatever was on him was no joke. Yeah. It's incredible. Right? That's a man who one Peace. time I went to his house and it was five, it was six limos and nobody would get out the limo. And I said, how come nobody's getting out the car? They said, <laughs> You don't see that lion standing over there? Mike Tyson had a lion in his front yard. <laughs> like hangover style. That's the only man whose house I ever went over. There was a lion in the front yard, loose. Wow. And he was on the steps like this with a heavyweight belt. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? How come nobody wants to get out the car and play with my cat? He was like, oh no, man, God. no, that's not a cat. That's a lion. That's fucking real? Oh my Mike Tyson had a lion. A male okay? lion or a female that's lion? Awesome. That's With a mane, a lion in his front yard, loose. Holy shit. It was walking, it was off the leash, man. It was not in the cage, it was in, in the yard. Oh, my God. And then he came out and started wrestling with him. And oh, all. my God. Damn, he lion. wrestled. How big was the lion? It was big, man. It was a lion, man. He was wrestling with a Came lion. Came over there and grabbed him and started tussling with him and all that. Jesus. And everybody was in the limousine because a lion could come up to a limousine and bust the window open and come in there. I'm sorry. Easy. He could just go like this, boof, and come right in there yeah. and just have lunch. So everybody was in the car. You couldn't back out because it was all like five limos. So everybody's in the car horrified thinking that Mike is getting ready to be eaten. By this lion, but that doesn't happen. He, just, he plays with him and he put, takes him in the back. That comes back out, and I was like, you know what? I'm never going to be around another man in life that's going to do that in front of me. <laughs> and it, you know what I'm saying? Because to me, he was Mike Tyson is not a lion tamer. You ever hear about Mike working in Vegas? No, he's just tame lions. He had one in his front yard, man. Yeah, and he had other cats there too. Uh, yeah. Bieber would never fuck? have a lion and he'd be like chills all the way or something. The, boy, how come you guys left waiting with my cats? Isn't that yeah, a, because we've seen Wild Kingdom, Mike? We've seen him eat wildebeest. The Mike Tyson story is such a classic fucking story, too. Yeah, man. Goes from being poor to being intensely rich. Intensely rich. And the, the focus of attention of literally every person on the planet. When he was at his peak, right. man, in the late wow. '80s, God, wow. when he beat Michael Spinks, crazy, Jesus Christ! I don't even think people when today, when he had people the billboard these kids today, yeah. Iron Mike and his face is made of iron. That, that right. billboard, I don't remember the, that. The strongest billboard on Sunset, really? 
It's an iron. It's an iron mic. They like his face was made of iron. It's just Mike's face. Awesome, awesome uh, billboard. The years, Kiss. like the Bruce Seldon years, where Bruce Seldon, he didn't even, like, he missed him with a left hook and Seldon's knees buckled. <laughs> he he got better. up and just said, What am I doing getting up? Like, he knew, I'm just, he knew better. Yeah. Oh, he knew better. All those yeah, guys. There he is was a no, destroyer. There is no fighter out there right now, I think, that has captured the attention since, since him. Not like him. Just like there's a lot of dummies that will look at a guy like Mike Tyson and really think that they can kick his ass, there are people that look at a guy like you, like on stage, and they get upset at you for some reason. They get upset at you for getting that attention. They get upset. Oh yeah, at you. yeah, yeah, yeah. But for, then you know they what? Feel like they should be getting what you have. I, I thank God that I'm, every time, every time one of them have stepped up, I had a baseball bat of jokes. You know, I, my, my 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 reaction was always right on on time, laser sharp. And they was burnt out of the audience, like, like a cigarette. But you know, and he's been in the witness, it, and I've been in the witness. You doing it? I, I think you're one of the best I've ever seen do it. You inspired <laughs> right. me when Thank I seen the, 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 how deep you took it. <laughs> I, I was like, well, I, I, I could go much harder than I've been going. <laughs> Joe is telling this person, man, wow. You know what I'm saying? I see you evaporate people. So that made that that told me that it's something that you definitely got to have. As part of your game, if you're gonna be standing up on the stage talking to people, you have to have the ability to, you know, to do that. Yeah. If it comes up, you got to shoot them down and keep it moving. You can't be haggling with them, and you know, because that's gonna break the whole continuity of the show up. The guys that can just hit them with the hammer and keep it moving are the, the, the best. Man. It's an unfortunate side effect of comedy, but we started out. Freeze and I were fucking comedy store veterans, man, and yeah. that was a place that nobody patrolled. There was no manager shushing the room. Just the comedy store was run by the guy on stage, and occasionally dudes got kicked out because the comic would go, "Just get these fucking people out of here!" God get damn! It would get it would get to the point where it was just you, you had to kick them out before the show couldn't go on. But there was always something there. That place always. is always drama. I've had glasses thrown at me on stage there. I've it was seen. Wild. I, remember when uh, Holtzman got knocked out by Martin Lawrence's we were, we were, bodyguard? We were just talking about <laughs> yeah, that. Talking yes. about this God thing. damn, that place yes. was chaos. I remember. Wow. The, I remember Eddie Griffin. We we were in the main room. We had a show. It was Martin Luther King's birthday, and after the show. <laughs> This was the, when a DJ came on. This is the first time I heard the song uh, No Vaseline. Right. Ice. You remember right. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the DJ played it, and Dr. Dre and all of the dog pound. And, and, and it was about Dr. They, Dre. Yeah, they were all there, and, and Dre went up on stage and snatched the record off of the off the turntable and snapped it in half, and that kicked off a riot. Tretch oh. was in there. Tupac was in there. Tretch had that big chain with the padlock on it. He was swinging that over his head. Oh, my God. All of this went on in the main room on Martin Luther King's birthday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was, I remember that. Holy shit. Man, my scene, that Rich place Rich was Pratt, fucking Rich crazy, Pratt, man. His last wife, Flynn? Yeah. Richard Pryor's last, last oh, wife, Oh, yeah, Flynn. yeah. Seen the weirdest woman out there, boy. At the comedy store? I was in the parking lot. Richard Pryor was performing that night. She was standing by the back door, and this other chick came around, was was getting ready to come up. And I heard, she, they knew each other, obviously. She, she, she said to that other chick, didn't I tell you not to come to no more to Richard's shows? <laughs> Every time she hit a, another piece of jewelry came off. So when she got finished, all of this woman's rings and necklaces and everything and her wig was laying on the floor. <laughs> wow. And they was dragging her away, man. 
And then Richie Pryor went on stage and did 20 minutes on what just happened. <laughs> Classic, sir. <laughs> Took it straight to the stage. He went right on the stage Took with it? Straight to the stage. Oh, man. <laughs> what year was this? That had to be in the 80s, man. You're like, <sighs> you're like 89, 90, something like that. Could you imagine if you fucking videotaped that? It was that? a long time ago. Wow. Can you imagine if you had a video no tape of that? No one was that. That was like on the moment. She said, didn't I tell you not to come to one of the Richard shows? Just started firing on him. How beautiful would that video be? To watch that, watch the ass kicking, to ass Pryor kick. walking on stage, Just to Pryor talking yeah. about the ass kicking. The pre-show, pre you yeah. don't want to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> I performed with 20 minutes on just what just happened outside. I performed with Richard Pryor for a few weeks, uh, right at the the end, right when he was uh, when he stopped uh, performing, when he was in a wheelchair. Remember they used yeah. to carry him on stage yeah, yeah. in the OR room. I, I had to go on after him for for weeks, for weeks yeah. when he did that. I always I was that was the always spot Mitzi always gave me right after Richard Pryor. When you go on after Richard Joe, and you, you would you would eat dick like no other time. Like, yeah, cause it, it wasn't. It was sad. It, it was, was sad, sad watching had, Richard. You know, I mean, it was cool because once Richard would open his mouth, it was him. Right. I mean, you know, you could tell that he's. And and then and it was it was a weird effect because you'd be like, oh yo, he's still there. He's still in there. Right. But then you would be like, wait a minute, he's in there. That's his body now, and that's what he's he's kind of. It seemed like he was more in prison. After you heard him do stand up, because it was a realization like this is a man who has his wits, but does not have his, his motor skills and his, his, his functions, his bodily functions to to match up with his wit. Right, right, right. And that was that just was even though he was funny, even though he was sharp, that just it was sad. Yeah, he. Would, it seemed to me like there was a there was a disconnect too towards the end. He, he, I don't think he was completely lucid. So when he would go on stage and talk about things like they didn't always make sense, and right. you know, it was uh, it was it was he was dying, you know, and he would get this huge round of applause when he got off stage, where people just would say, you know, hey man, when you look at him right now, man, there's not much time left, and this is one of the greatest comedians, maybe the greatest comedian to ever walk the face of the planet. Right. The most influential, I think, of all time. And you're you watching them as they're carrying him away, and then they introduce you. Jeff Richard gets on the piano. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Rogan! From Hardball <laughs> on Fox TV, please welcome Joe Rogan. And you go on stage and you have to do stand-up after Richard, and it takes at least four or five minutes to get him out of the room because they're walking with him out of the room because right, right, right. he can't really walk. I'm supposed to ask you about Johnny Gill who thought he could beat Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, yeah, man. You know, wow, how do you know somebody about that? Told me, somebody told me Wow, wow. how do you know about that one, man? I think it was Tom Segura told me that. That was, that was, that was one of the days when, that's back when Oscar was still, you know, fighting too. That's what made me really angry. The Oscar was whipping somebody's ass and I'm sitting next to a balladeer, you know, I respect you. You're good singing on that. But don't point to no fighter and go, I could whip him. I don't want to hear that, man. He really said that? Vehemently, man. It jumped up. I even, I even, I'm, 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 the fact that you brought it up, it ain't like I'm snitching. I told him, if I ever see you and Oscar <laughs> in the same room, making sure that Oscar knows that you feel that way. <laughs> I want to be there. I'm making sure he knows that you, a balladeer, a crooner, said that you could whip him. I, yeah, man. That was a, to me, that was the highest insult of the highest level, man. You make your money with roses flying in the air and all that, singing. You going to look at a fighter and talk about I could whip him? Come on, man. 
Wow. He needs to know that. He needs to know you feel that way. <laughs> I did it with Mike Tyson. The referees used to talk shit. Oh yeah, blah blah blah. Do this and that to Mike. Blah 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 blah. So one day we were all together, and I was like, you know, Mike, uh, this dude told me, <laughs> whip your ass, man. <laughs> he really he tells me all the time. Why don't you tell Mike what you be telling me? Wow. Watched him turn into Kool-Aid in his chair. Uh, what did he say, Mike? <laughs> he didn't say nothing to I Mike. I meant the other That's Mike like Tyson, He didn't say man. nothing Being to Mike. Alone that, that was my whole room. point. I mean, you probably have encountered it before. I've been in the hood. I've been in the barbershop sometime. And I got to tell folks, man. They be like, yo, man. Because Mike, you know, Mike, don't, Mike, nothing, man. What do you do? You work for UPS, right? <laughs> don't bring up Mike's name, son. <laughs> Stop it. Bring up another truck driver. Because I'll take you out of Gleason's right now. And pick out any heavyweight, somebody who you've never seen on TV, and he'll make you call him the greatest. Stop it, man. You don't, you, you're not a fighter. You don't do what this guy does. Respect what he does. That's like him jumping around the wheel of your truck and trying to beat you on your route. It's not going to happen. I'm going to park this. It's not going to happen, man. thing where dudes get delusional about their ability to kick ass. It's a yeah, weird Johnny thing, Gilby, He really thought he... Back in the day, I don't know. Maybe he, you know, he's more. But what did he think? Way. He just think that he felt Oscar that he, Oscar, was getting he could lucky? beat Oscar. He felt he was more powerful, faster. <laughs> I was like, "But you never, you never boxed before." That's nothing to do with it. I'm talking about being a man. I was like, "What? What do you think they're doing, man? You, what, what are you talking about, man? He's supposed to be fighting, man. Charlie, talking about being a man. These boys are trying to knock each other's heads man. off. Talking about being a man. That's a dude that doesn't understand what an eight week camp is like." An eight-week training now he was camp, he was buffed he was, at that time. That's when he Bear. was. I think he was working out with Barry Bonds and he had a little cut on and everything. I was like, you know, those muscles don't translate to a win, brother. People they get translate shot. to best in show at a bodybuilding concert, <laughs> contest. Not that you're gonna win the fight. And if you look at real fighters, they don't have the chiseled body like GI Joe. You know what I'm saying? Look at Anderson Silva. Yeah, look at his body. Look normal, man. Yeah. And look what happens when those dudes come in with the, you know. The G.I. Joe kid. The classic ballet stand. The, the problem with yeah. all that muscle is it needs fuel. Yeah. You got you to gotta feed that. So you're only good for about 30 seconds, 20 seconds. A full wow. fury when you're all big like that. A guy can hang on to you. It's like riding a bull. You know, but the bull's like a real bad endurance. Then you burn them. Just, just ride them until the they wear themselves out. arms, they fill up with blood. Yeah. Then they yeah. can't move. They get heavy. It's crazy. You watch, like, there's a guy named um, Marius Pujanowski. Strong, world's strongest man does those crazy fucking things where they, oh. you know they throw the beer bottles in the air yeah. and lift right, up cars right, and right. shit. You know that strong man shit. Yeah. He's won it a bunch of times, and he just started doing MMA and he gets fucked up by fat right. dudes. He's not throwing right. a big keg. He's throwing something with punches and kicks. Yeah, off. Tim <laughs> Sylvia beat the fuck out yeah. of that boy. Wow. He had that dude purple. That Open guy was purple as, as fuck. Exactly. Hey, yeah. Tim Sylvia was like, "How dare you?" I was a fucking two-time heavyweight champion, or more, maybe. I don't know. Either way, he's a fucking world UFC heavyweight champion. Right. And you think that you, you can pick up a car so you can kick his ass? It was like a slow, methodical ass-kicking by a, right. a, an overweight guy, essentially. The guy with the a big not gut. Moving. The car's not moving. The car's not yeah. you know, doing techniques on you. But if they can get you in those first 15 seconds, you could have a real big fucking problem. Because for but those guys seconds, get those guys get street people like you know yeah man, that guy who could throw a car goes to the supermarket and you get an argument he could probably throw you you know across the meat section and yeah. take your back or something you won't you won't expect yeah. it wow this guy yeah. threw me across the meat section but you ain't an MMA fighter you know you ain't a boxer you ain't whatever any any kind of professional athlete whatever profession he's in respected 
Don't disrespect. Now you think straight up. Now you got me thinking about fights in supermarkets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, dude, yeah, man. There's, there's no weight classes in supermarkets. No way. I remember classes. a few years ago, this dude was talking about jumping on. Uh, was one of the running backs. And I asked him, yeah, we're the same size physically. I was like, you really think you could beat that guy? He's like, we're the same size. I said, yeah, but I've seen him run over five guys his size. i never seen you run over nothing. <laughs> Get a hard time going up the steps. You mess with this boy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're the same size, but you're not the same thing, man. Come on. Yeah, man. people don't so, understand a super athlete. Yeah, you don't understand until. That's why, that's why we have the ability to buck our eyes, to yes. express that. <laughs> To express that when you get surprised, you go, oh shit! Oh my god! <laughs> you Wait, know, you, I didn't. I didn't mean it. I wasn't practicing. Exactly. Yeah, you can't hang out with dudes that talk shit. Nope. Talk shit about how they would fight you. Mike. I've seen him in the room. I'm not letting him know how you feel. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you, man. I remember the very day that I decided I was gonna vote for Barack. And the reason why I remember is because I went to sleep that night. And had one of the most bizarre dreams of my entire life. It was about Barack Obama. What made it weird was, you know, I was interviewing him for a magazine. I'm not a fucking journalist. <laughs> and he wasn't giving back the normal Barack Obama answers. Like, for instance, I was like, so Mr. Obama, what exactly is it that you want the American people to know? He was like, well, you know, Charlie. I want the American people to know that I'm here to introduce a new form of politics. I plan to reverse the pussification of America. <laughs> By introducing a bill into law that would give Americans the right to bitch slap one another. I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. You gonna legalize the bitch slap? <laughs> hey, Barack, you know how many people I wanna bitch slap right now? Shit, I knew I liked you for something. You a gangster motherfucker, man. Bitch slapping motherfuckers, smoking Newports. You got that fucking walk with the shoulder swagger. I like this motherfucker. He's cool, man. I remember that, Desi, but you know what, Barack? I, I don't want to be one to bring up the past, but we got to cover all the bases. Now, when you first announced your candidacy, Reverend Al Sharpton went on the news and told all of America that he thought that you wasn't black enough. Yeah, how did that make you feel? He was like, you know, it's funny that Reverend Sharpton said that. Especially since he's the one with a haircut like George Washington. <laughs> That's right, Reverend Sharpton. My mother's white and my father's black. But that does not mean I'm not black enough. Because yes, I am black enough. I'm black enough to pimp slap you. Tyler Murphy! And I'm white enough to look you in the face as if nothing ever happened. <laughs> and that's when Bobby Brown rode through the room butt naked on a unicycle and I woke up screaming. All right, folks, that is all the time we have for today. I want to thank you for joining me in celebrating the life of Charlie Murphy. We heard a lot of um, good stories from Charlie, from his friends, conversations that he's had. There will be links. There's the Prince basketball story. There is a link that's going to be with these other ones 
in the description of actually Mickey Free telling that story about how Prince played like Jordan and they beat the shit out of him in six inch heels. Charlie Murphy was a amazing person, funny, kind, humble, and then just also just an amazing comedian that did things his way as you heard. So please show some love and respect for his family and for the legacy that he left behind because he has stories of, you heard it, Mike Tyson, Richard Pryor, Stevie Wonder, Prince, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. So thank you guys again for joining me, Elijah Bailey on the Elijah Bailey Show. Richard, I'm speaking on behalf of all the fans. We miss you. Can't wait to have you back next week. Hopefully you guys have learned a little bit more about Charlie Murphy. I know it was a lot of comedy, but he touched a lot of people's lives that you might not have known he had contact with. So again, thank you guys. I'm Elijah Bailey, and make sure to follow us on the Elijah Bailey Show Facebook page, Twitter and Instagram, and Snapchat at Elijah Bailey Show. That's S-H-O without the W. You can send in your emails to Elijah Bailey Show at gmail.com. If emailing is too hard or you hate that shit like I do, simply subscribe, rate, and review. In that review, that's where you can leave your comment or a topic you want us to hit on or anime you want us to watch. You can leave that right there on iTunes. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. That helps out the show immensely. And make sure to join the Bailey Nation on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Elijah Bailey Show with the W. If you're interested on having your own podcast or being a part of the Black and Studios family, that means if you want us to outsource your commercials, do anything for your marketing for your business, contact us at podcast at blackandstudios.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Black and Studios. Again, thank you guys. I'm Elijah Bailey, and I'll catch your ass in the next podcast. All right, folks, this is Elijah Bailey back at the end of the show to give you everything that you want and need to know. This is my recommendation section. I finally came up with a name, <laughs> Bailey's Recommendation. I think that works well, but podcasts, anime, manga, cosplay, I'm giving it all to you here. Podcast of the week is Charlie Murphy Presents, which you can find on iTunes. Stand Up New York Lab brings you Charlie Murphy Presents, the official podcast of Charlie Murphy. Coming at you every Wednesday with the biggest guest in comedy and entertainment, Charlie hosts a roundtable in front of a live studio audience in the Stand Up New York Lab above Stand Up New York Comedy Club in New York City. Charlie Murphy's rapid evolution from Chappelle Show cast member to top-billed international comedian playing at sold-out arenas around the globe has been remarkable. He has spent the past eight years performing his critically acclaimed stand-up show and solidifying his position in Hollywood as a true acting, writing, and producing talent in his own right. Make sure to check out this podcast. If you want to hear directly from the mind of Charlie Murphy, he's a great podcast. He's one of the ones that I started listening to around the time the Elijah Bailey show was created that, you know, gave me that umph besides the Steve Austin show. So make sure to check this podcast out. If you want to live a little bit of Charlie Murphy's history, cosplay of the week is Mookie Mookie cosplay. M U K I underscore M U K I underscore cosplay. He's done the, the cosplay that caught me in Richard's eye was his Sasuke cosplay from Naruto Shippuden with the Sosano around him is fucking phenomenal he's also done Ijiro Kirishima 
Gray Fullbuster from Fairy Tale. He's also done a Genderbender Sailor Scout, among many other cosplay. Make sure to find and follow him on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook is Mookie Mookie Cosplay without the underscores, and then on Instagram, Mookie underscore Mookie underscore Cosplay. Now, back to Anime of the Month. It is Soul Eater. Make sure to check this anime out. If you want a full description of the anime, join our Patreon page so that way you can read about Mocha and Soul as they go through their journey through the Meister Academy. Manga of the Month is Berserk. Last episode, episode 73, you heard me and Richard tell you the whole story of Berserk. Now catch up in the manga where it shows you all the gory details of what happened to Guts and Casca. Thank you guys for joining the Elijah Bailey Show. Hopefully you enjoyed this tribute to Charlie Murphy. I'm Elijah Bailey, and I'll catch your ass in the next podcast.